Good morning. My name is Vincent Hoppy. I am the pastor here at Grace and Peace Church. So if you ever have any questions or you're wondering uh, what we're about, please come and talk to me. The past few weeks and where we're going, we've been talking about seven signs that Jesus does, and we will also be talking about seven statements about Jesus that show that he is not just your administrative assistant. He is not someone to uh, just be an example to follow, nor is he uh, just someone who uh, can uh, is a genie and then out pops Will Smith, who's blue, which is just a tragedy. It is weird that he is all blue. But anyway, so it that's not Jesus. What we're finding out is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, the Savior maybe that you didn't expect, but he's a Savior you absolutely need. And so that's what we're discovering. That's what we're unpacking. And John is doing that for us. Let me read this quote. Her feeling of self-worth is tied up in being a full-time graduate student and pro-racer wonderful track rider, and when things became bad, it became a real crisis for her. The words of Mark Caitlin Kelly's father talking to Velo News, a lot of us would say, you need to take time out. And her approach was like, if I can't perform everything at the same time, then I have no value. She couldn't live up to her internal standards. She killed herself. Uh, these are the words of Mark Catlin whose daughter Kelly killed herself this week. She was a wonderful person. She was accomplished. She had three world championship medals on the the cycling track. She was a silver medalist. She could play violin. She could ride a unicycle. She was working on her PhD in computational mathematics from Stanford. I can't even spell computational mathematics. You see, she had it together. She could accomplish it all. She was a high achiever. But the thing is, she began to not feel like herself after an undiagnosed concussion. She couldn't achieve it anymore. And no precious metal dangling from her neck could possibly heal the pain, exhaustion, loneliness, and the incessant need to function at a high level. Her need to be extraordinary could not be met by a metal. And that's what she felt. And Kelly's story is not that unusual. Her story, in a lot of ways, is symbolic for the world we live in, in a world that has excused God from the table and said he can go his merry way. That we can make a name for ourselves, that we can do it ourselves, that we can heal ourselves through achievement, through working it out, through doing everything right. You know, and we always have these like voices in our head that are always saying, you know what, that, that kind of drive us and motivate us, and they're always saying, you're not good enough. Your children are going to be failures. You need to work harder. You can't rest or you're going to fail. Don't take a day off. No one could do what you do. And so suddenly everything starts being heaped on your shoulders. And you've got to keep up appearances. You've got to keep it together. You know, and so we always put our heads down and we're always saying to ourselves, you know, when I get this done, things will get better. Or after this, I'll be able to rest. 
After I accomplish this, I can rest. But many of us, if we were honest with ourselves and we looked in the mirror, we would say to ourselves, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And all the anxiety, we cannot squelch that down with any amount of achievement that we got. You see, rather, I think a good parent would look and see our situations and all think, without God, that we're about to end it. We're all, we need a parent to say, Sir, come down before my child dies. And the Bible is not shy about things like depression. Read the laments and things like uh, uh, in the Psalms. Hear the cries of Jonah. See Job in his position. Hear about Jeremiah. And when we think about all these things that are weighing on us, and we think about what is needed, how do we get this healing for the world? How do we get beyond loneliness and anxiety? How do we stop feeling like we're running a race at 100 miles an hour and we can't possibly stop because as soon as we do, we'll be a failure and we'll be a nobody? How do we get past that? We need a healer. We need a deep healing. A healing that isn't just therapy for for 50 minutes out of my week to tell me that things are going to be better if I just, you know, do these five things. I need someone who's going to be able to tell me that in the end, it all matters. Everything matters. That it's more than what, what uh, one, one popular person, uh, an inventor quipped, you know, we're all here to make a dent in the universe. But how or why? That's the question. How or why am I to make a dent in the universe? And I would say that this is the illness of the nations. That this is life apart from God. This is what's happening and it hurts, and it's in us all. Even if you're a Christian, you can and you will be depressed at some time. You will be saddened. You will have anxiety. But the question is, where's it going? Is there an ultimate end? And Jesus comes and says, I'm the healer. Come to fix it. I've come to make it better. And so here's the context of the story. If you're following along, uh, we, we have John talk about creation, and he talks about the Word of God coming and forming everything. Not, there was nothing that was made which was, which was made uh, that wasn't without him and his Word. And so we talk about creation, but we also talk about the fall in the Bible. We see that people are in rebellion against God. And in fact, the lie in so many ways, this lie from the serpent was, you can be happy apart from God. You can find meaning apart from God. You can be a somebody apart from God. And so what has been trained in all our habits in this world, and as we watch things like, oh, I about threw a 1990s thing in there, MTV, I don't know if you all remember that, before they just showed reality television. Yeah, so MTV was programming me to be happy apart from God. And we have learned to live life like that. All right, And so this fall was like, you could be a somebody apart from God. And ultimately, though, we've, we've come and we've seen that this is death. It is a half-life. It is not what life was meant to be. But the story of the Bible doesn't end there. The story of the Bible, as soon as the fall happened, God says, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal the poison. I'm going to get rid of it. 
I'm going to fix it. And how does he do that? He sends ultimately this seed of the woman who will come and make all things new. And that's Jesus Christ. And Christianity teaches that he dies the death we should have died by in, in living the life we should have lived. And he is risen into new life. And so we talk about something called glorification. So the Bible is going somewhere that all things are going to be made new. Not like brand new. It's not like God scraps the earth and starts over, but rather it is renewed. And so the risen Christ, if you live life in Jesus, you live life in the renewal of all things. But we've been sold this bill of goods. We've been told you exist to make a dent in the universe. So we crush ourselves without reference to this greater story. We have no bearing, we have no idea why we are here. And we are told in every way you need to be extraordinary. Join the swim team so you can get into college. Or you could have your parents bribe someone with hundreds of thousands of dollars. But we're not going there today. Okay? And so, you need to be extraordinary. You need to be a high achiever. You need to keep up appearances. You need to be able to publish your best life now on social media and in order that you can keep up above anyone else. All the while, we find out that blue light of our screens is actually messing with our sleep patterns, and therefore, we're depressed because we don't have enough sleep. You see, this is getting crazy, and we are all getting super tired. I don't know if you feel it, and I know I've felt it, the tiredness, that I can't go another day feeling this tired. And so in Europe, uh, about 20 people a year come into one clinic in the Netherlands requesting to be euthanized because they're too tired to live. Too tired to live. And more than that, we see a lot of teens out here in the West struggling with their sexuality. So either they keep it bottled up because of shame, or they go and try to live according to that. And then, uh, and then there's some people on the outside that shame them for it. And so there's a lot of hard-heartedness. There's a lot of difficulty. It is taxing to live this way. More than that now, middle-aged men, when they get to the end of their career, they are finding out that it is not all cracked up to be. So they try to live their life by getting a Corvette and finding out that's not all it's cracked up to be. And there's now a place here in the United States from Montana down to New Mexico called the Suicide Belt. And it's mostly middle-aged men, 50 and older, who got to the end of their career and realized, I'm not living the life I need to live. And they were too tired to keep up. And so here's the thing. In one way or another, this world, you and I, we're all hurting to the point of death. Without Jesus, that's where we end up. We're headed into a grave, life apart from him. And to know that uh, we, we think that this is all the world that there is. And so this text tells us, though, that Jesus is the healer you need. Jesus heals. Not because of your merit, not according to your agenda, but according to his word. So Jesus heals, 
not because of your merit, not according to your agenda, but according to his word. So it's not because of merit. If we look at the text, we have this Roman centurion coming to him. Uh, and he has the meritorious life. He is a Roman official. He is up there. He's probably a centurion. He's working for Herod Antipas. He's got servants at his beck and call, but yet it is him who comes and hears about Jesus and goes 25 miles to, to Cana from Capernaum in order to meet with this healer. Why? Because he's at the end of his rope. And notice that Jesus doesn't make any mention of whether or not this guy had any merit to offer him. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, oh, because you're a great official. Oh, because you're, you, you have lots of money. Oh, because you have servants. No, Jesus does something else. Jesus turns to, a bunch of, to the crowd and says, you guys are all here to see signs and wonders. You won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. They want to see a miracle. They want to see a miracle man. They want to see like Super Bowl halftime show miracles. I guess that would have been the equivalent back then, but that's what it was. And so that's why they are following him. And so he says to the crowd, unless you all see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official, though, says, sir, come down before my child dies. Come down before my child dies. And Jesus doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. He couldn't be leveraged by the man's worth, dignity, nobility. Doesn't that strike you? He doesn't come down. What in the world is he doing? And so you notice that a lot of people want to see the signs and wonders. He's going to do the sign and wonder while no one is looking and in a way that no one's going to notice. That's incredible. So it's not because of your merit. You know, we see this uh, Roman centurion, I mean, um, yeah, so he he doesn't play the act of miracle worker. He can't be leveraged. And so it is not, so Christianity, real Christianity, is not that you impress God and he gives you what you want. Rather, he heals you regardless of your performance. And he gives you the healing you most ultimately need. So it's not according to your merit. We don't, it is not, so Christianity is not a gradation system where if you achieve enough, where if you uh, went to mass enough, or if you went to church enough, or if you follow these 10 rules, then God is guaranteed to heal you. Rather, God says, you can't help yourself, and so I'm going to send Jesus. So Jesus does it for us. The next thing that we see is that it's not according to our agenda. It's not according to our agenda. The official asks for him to come in person. And a lot of us, we have this idea, it's like, if I'm going to be healed, it needs to be this way. It needs to be this way. Instead, Jesus says, says this, go, your son, and it actually says, does not say he will live. He actually says, your son lives, or your son is alive. He declared it and it happened. But what we really want, isn't it, is that Jesus would come visit our house, that he would come touch and heal. But we've got something else happening here. Jesus cannot, does not work according to our agendas. 
Uh, there's this story about, there's this an apocryphal story where about Peter. Uh, I like Peter because I think he's most like me. And so Jesus tells his disciples, pick up 12 stones. And so they pick up the stones, right? And Peter picks up the littlest stone he could possibly find. And Jesus says, we're going to go for a walk. And they go for a walk, and little Peter has this tiny, tiny stone, and they're traveling along, and then they stop. And Jesus says, all right, you guys ready to have lunch? And he turns the stones into bread. And, of course, Peter is looking at his little tiny dinner roll while some people are holding giant loaves of bread. And Peter's like, what in the world? And so he eats his lunch. Then Jesus, after lunch, says, all right, pick up stones. And so Peter, he's like, ha ha, I got it. He goes and picks up a giant boulder, right? And so he's carrying it along and he can barely get it to where he's going so that in the place where they finally get to rest, he throws it down and he's, heave, uh, he's heaving, he's tired. He's like, that was heavy. And then he says, okay, throw your rocks into the river. Let's go find dinner. Which illustrates at this point, God doesn't work according to our agenda, according to what we want. You see, Peter's like, thought he out-tricked uh, Jesus. He's like, I got it. I am going to have a buffet of bread afterward. No. No. God doesn't work according to our agenda. You see, people want, want, want an administrative assistant, someone who you could tell what to do. And a lot of us, we have this image of God that he is our miracle worker, our own personal Will Smith genie from Aladdin. That's what we want. But that's not who God is. That isn't the way he works. And so here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes when we pray and we need help, it doesn't happen the way we want it, does it? But like a good father... God answers the prayer the way we should have prayed it. He knows when to say no. He knows when to not listen to every beck and call. And so there's this idea of the, the, we see him not working according to the agenda that we've set out for him. More than that, notice about the, the official, this official. It actually calls him one, an official uh, initially, so no, no definitive pronoun, it, it isn't the official, so it starts off with an official. He's just some official. And then later it goes to the official, okay, it was that guy. And then it moves to the man, so it's getting a little better. And then lastly, it calls him the father. The father knew. And so we see this growth in the person, in his identity. He's growing more human you know, and what do we see? We see this person start out. He maybe has an agenda. He's got a name. Jesus is going to heal me. Of course, I work for Herod Antipas, who will cut off the head of John. Jesus will do what I say. And Jesus is like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. That isn't the way it works. But we also see the faith of this man. We see that he went on a 25-mile journey because he believed in Jesus. So the question is, are we needy like that? 
It's not, if you come to Jesus, if you come to God saying, you must heal me because I'm a high achiever, because I've got it together. If you're looking to all those things to be paradise for you, it's going to crush and kill you. But if Jesus really is the healer, and the healer you need, you come to him with empty hands in order that you may grab and hold on to him alone. And so what are the things that we are holding on to that give us the idea that, that Jesus is, is at our beck and call, that he, could, he does whatever I say? Is it because I'm a good parent? Is it because I'm a good student? Is it because I pray five times a day? What is it? Is it because I'm a good coworker? I'm a good boss? Your son is about to die. His son was about to die and he came to the end of his rope. And here's the deal. If you're living life desiring that your children will be perfect, you need to realize that they can't heal you. No matter how well your children behave, they can't heal you. If you're living your life so that your spouse may be perfect, you need to realize that they are going to fail you. They can't heal you. If you live, you certainly must know that you can't even live up to your own standards. You cannot heal yourself. You are your own worst critic. I know this. And that's okay. Because you are not the healer. You are not the healer. But Jesus is the healer. And he makes all things new. And he heals. Jesus heals by his word. Jesus heals by his word. This healing happens according to the agenda and the merit of Jesus alone. And notice here, he is reversing the curse. Death is not the way it should be. We should not be grieving the death of children. We should not have to run 25 miles so that we would see someone healed. That is not the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus here in his healing by the power of his word is the future world breaking into the present. The day when all tears will be wiped away. The day, the day that everything will be reversed and that we will wake up as if from a terrible nightmare to have the world put together again. That's what was breaking into this moment and Jesus does it by his word and declares your son is alive and as he was heading out back out his servants meet him on the way and tell this father your son is alive the fever left him that's the authority of jesus So we see this man become more and more human. We see this little faith. He left Jesus knowing just a little bit, just a little bit of this word. Jesus says, your son is alive. He believed him. And then he goes and sees the evidence of that. And so in our world, what is the healing balm that we need? It's not that we make paradise for ourselves through our work, or gaining self-worth, but it's rather through Jesus who is the worth of the world coming and dying for us. It is not us 
healing the world and making my life better, but it is Jesus making all the world better to make us more human. We see this official, he grows in belief from small to big. We also see him become more human with that specificity from an official to a father. And likewise, in our interactions with the true healer, Jesus Christ, we too will grow, sometimes slowly. And we will grow from being less human and trusting in all ourselves, then going to more human, what we were supposed to be, trusting in God. And so he is then called, and we see this whole family come to faith, the whole household that would include servants, that they believed in Jesus. And we see it done by a word. But here's the the tricky part. Do you know that they're all going to die again? That they will all be at the point of death? This son was on the border of death, but he's really going to die someday. But why isn't that a big deal for Christians at times? Now, I do believe you should be scared of death, and it is terribly wrong. And it does violate every, every, every little aspect of us. But why? It's because in Christianity we believe that Jesus died the death we were supposed to die. He experienced death in itself, the real substance of that death. And so we experience that uh, truly. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a pastor at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. His wife died at a young age. His wife died at a young age. And one day he was walking with his young daughter. And she was walking close to the road. And suddenly a big truck rumbles by and scares her. And she's trembling and crying. And Donald Gray Barnhouse comes down to his daughter and says to her, Why are you trembling? Why are you so upset? She says, Because I remember mommy dying. I remember mommy dying. And he said, Oh, darling. Oh, darling. You do not need to be frightened because only the shadow of the truck hit you, not the real thing. And the same goes with mommy. Only the shadow of death hit her because the real thing, death hit Jesus. And if you trust in Jesus Christ over all these other things, then just the shadow of death will touch us. Not the real thing. Because Jesus has healed us ultimately. Jesus has healed us ultimately. And he did that by rising again. And so if you trust in Jesus, you have died with him and you live in the new creation right now in him. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, We thank you for your goodness, kindness, and love and mercy to us. We thank you that only the shadow of death touches us because Jesus Christ took all of death. Lord, we ask that you would help us 
to trust you, to grow in you. And Lord, for those of us who are struggling under the weight of depression, we need you to come through as a healer, that you would give us hope that someday all things will be made new, that we won't wrestle with our emotions and our feelings, that someday we won't feel blue, someday we won't feel tired and anxious, but someday, someday, Lord, we will live life with you. And it is true. Help us to trust in the goodness that all things will be made new. Help us to see the resurrection. Help us to rejoice. Lord, be with us now as we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we remember the body broken that took on real death, which was separation from you, so that we may be transformed and that we would be made whole because you were broken apart. Lord, be here now. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.